and welcome to another edition of the Battle Royale podcast, our chapter-by-chapter breakdown of the cult classic that is Battle Royale. I'm your host, as always, Edward Jones, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, the Professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Heidi, hi, campers. Tonight, we look at Chapter 11, The Clinic. And so far, I mean, we're well within the game as, as we speak at the moment. In our previous chapters, we've obviously seen many of our classmates fall. And we've seen two colours being shown. And uh, certainly with the second report on our previous episode, we also got to see one of our main competitors uh, certainly show um, the, show her real true colours then. And I think really sort of come into her, her own. Absolutely. This is the problem when you do things in Japanese is remembering everybody's name. And exactly what I was doing. <laughs> I was loading up the wiki. <laughs> uh, so yes, I mean obviously Mitsuko really got the chance to come into her own last time. We had a whole discussion really about how useful a stun gun is. Obviously if it's against Mitsuko with a stickle, not very. Now we're back on, on track, we're obviously rejoining Shuya and uh, Noriko who've basically a little worse than where they've had a couple of encounters with other students and they've seen several of their fellow students uh, gunned down in a very questionable rescue plan and now when we rejoin Noriko she basically collapses from I, I'm still trying to figure out what injury she had well she was injured very early on when they first went to that cave that first night yeah I don't remember um, what it was. I can't remember. It was a. It was a. It may have been forty minutes ago in the film, but it was. <laughs> it's like diamond gun for us. <laughs> but yes, yeah, she's obviously been losing a lot of blood. Um, and uh, yeah, this this is the point where she. Uh, well, two, two two things. One is she faints, and secondly, this whole chapter should be titled "This is hardly the time," which is the <laughs> most on-the-nose thing that, that Shoya says in the entire film. <laughs> <laughs> whilst whilst collapsing in his arms, instead of worrying about her own health or the situation that they're in, she says, Oh, that girl had a crush on you. I'm really jealous. <laughs> and he goes, This is hardly the time, dear. And you know what? He's right. <laughs> so, yeah, we see basically Shoya with, like, <laughs> some... Un- godly sort of strength carrying noriko uh to this this clinic that's on the map the fact that when he kicks the gate it falls up falls down and appears to only been attached to one side really does not bode well for them um obviously arriving at this clinic and the fact that i mean we obviously find out this clinic's been abandoned for quite a while and it plays interesting contrast like the manga where the clinic would have only been recently sort of abandoned but it's here that we're reunited with everyone's favorite uh bandana wearing moody sod that it is yes who who's had time to set up a a little um tripwire let's see if anyone's coming in and uh has taken time to memorize their names as Handed and binoculars. That's right. He's <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, as I say, when it comes to when it comes to um, Kawada, I mean, he's doesn't. I've, I don't know if his experiences in the previous game that have basically caused him to have like little attachment to anyone, um, or the fact that obviously in the fact that here in in this version of, of events, he's uh, the transfer student, 
and hasn't really bothered to memorize anyone's name. So now he just like gives them, as you said, he gives them little nicknames based on their weapons so that he, in his mind, he can identify who he's trusting. So obviously in their case, it's binoculars and pound lid. And it's also here that uh, we get our first real sort of conversation with Kawada as basically he's, he he patches up Noriko and it's unsure why he chooses to help them. Because you know he's a oh, veteran no. in this, this game. This is the this is the point where Shuya says the second most sensible thing he said so far in the film. He says, "Why are you helping us?" <laughs> and he gets the reply, "Because my dad was a doctor." Yeah, <laughs> which, is, which is non sequitur at best, and also later on is potentially proved to be nonsense. That's the thing when it comes to Guara, as anyone if you've obviously seen the film, which I would assume that you have, um it's 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 very hard to actually know what he's saying is the actual truth for me. It's like his flashbacks to his um the saying of his his girlfriend, um, the fact anything to do with his like parents. Um he just constantly comes out with things as like and says, Oh, this I have this skill because my father's like a fisherman or he's a doctor or he's a chef or which apparently not a very good chef if he is because he's there throwing rice around the kitchen and <laughs> But I guess the point is is that he's probably genuinely a good guy yeah. that is probably here to to do a good thing. I mean he wants he wants more than one person to survive. He wants revenge for his his girlfriend's death, as we'll find out later. Um, but he's not going to give. He doesn't trust anybody yet, so he's not going to give any. You know, he's, he's a good guy. He doesn't want anyone to die necessarily. And we saw that before, didn't we? When he told the girls to stop shouting through their megaphone. But at the same time, he doesn't know who he trusts yet because this game does funny things to people, doesn't it? We say that, but I mean, he obviously did the warning shots with his uh, with his shotgun. And it only seemed I wasn't I could never be really sort of sure if he did that um, out of like compassion for these girls or the fact that you know Shuya raised it as this raised this sort of like connection with them. I see whether whether he did it yeah because he's just genuinely a nice guy or he did it because he wanted to teach Shuya a lesson really in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Don't know. What, there was something else about this clinic, though. So this clinic, I guess, is on the map, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Um, and I'm guessing, from your knowledge of the manga and the and the book, that you know, there's a story about that this is a this island is inhabited and it's been cleaned out, right? So it, it makes sense that there's a clinic. Yeah, in the manga, it's, as I said, it's an island that uh, they basically cho- chosen this island, and and you see, there's like panels of them, like basically shipping everyone off it doesn't say where they they put them to and knowing this <laughs> knowing the sort of like government that inhabits this book they could just be all rounded up and shot for all we know it's yeah possibly it just basically shows them <laughs> being just, herded out it's just interesting that you know within the within the the metafiction of the of the film that there's a clinic that's on the map that people could go to and there's medicine there but what mate what i was thinking was hang on a minute most medicines are actually poisons or there's syringes there's there's medical equipment there this is this is another place you could get weapons from um we'll talk about this again in a minute but it was it's just interesting that there's, this, there's this place here that and that must i guess that's why Kawada's hold up there because 
what a what a cool base to have one full of chemicals and sharp instruments yeah it's also one of the few structures on the island where you can safely set up a, a defensive position from when you look at many of the other sort of structures on the islands, they're all sort of like big warehouse site buildings. When we look at the third mat where the third man is based, mm. or we look at the lighthouse where the uh, the girls are based, when we come to them later in the film. So, well, I'd say the lighthouse is very it's very defensible. Um, it is, but although, it's also uh, miles uh, away from anything, and it's also on the indeed. coast, which means it's likely to be turned into a danger zone. Whereas, true, true, temporary. I, I guess where um, Mitsuko is. Um, her little shack that she she's got as well as a bit like this. So yeah, I did look at a map last time, but it's been a while since we recorded this. <laughs> I've I've forgotten where everything is. But I just I just thought it was really interesting that this this place is is in theory a hotbed of weapons, and the guys in this time round don't really take advantage mm. of it. Um, I mean, let's look. Obviously, just can, when we look at uh, Kawada in the. In the actual book, I mean, it is actually confirmed that his doctor, his father was a doctor who was killed by the government because he protested at um, Shogo's involvement in the first program. And that he's basically, he has some medical skills he's learned, which enables him to treat Noriko. Now, he seems to have fondness for Noriko because she reminds him of his girlfriend. Which is obviously really handy for Shuya because obviously he's attached to Noriko. So, you know... By the way, he gets to uh, he gets sort of defended just because Noriko bears that sort of passing resemblance. Um, but that makes, but that, that that at least that makes some sense. Yeah, that 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 would explain what we were struggling to explain a couple of episodes ago. Is that why Kawada's even got any interest in this pair? Because they're a bunch, a couple of whingy moaners, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember, sure you had a right little strop, and I'd have thought I'd have dropped him <laughs> if I had the weapons. <laughs> because Shuya to me seems to be a bit of a liability because everybody loves him. Therefore, he's 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 you know he's, he's attractive to the girls, and all the boys love him as well. So you know that, that, that's that's a liability on this island. People liking you, I think, and. Um, and Narika, oh my god, I mean, she's just such a waste of space at the moment. I mean, she's just such a liability. So, yes, I wonder why Kawada had, would, would have stuck with um, her. But they, I mean, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. stacked enough of his skills as well. In the book, he also has hacking skills as well, because his father seemed to be similar to uh, Shinya Mirimura's uncle, who we're going to talk about a bit later in this episode. Um, well, his. So, base, so, basically, his father was a. Uh, it was was a was a, a doctor fisherman. Apparently so. Chef um, it's like um, it's like Emery. It's like Emery on um, fresh off the boat. On f- uh, f- fresh off the boat, you know, Doctor President. Anyway, <laughs> so I've just bought fresh off. I've just bought fresh off the boat into Battle Royale continuity. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, again with the with the book there, we have got the anti-government themes there. The the fact his father's killed because he's protesting about his son being brought into the the first program. So and his just general nature is sort of attributed to the fact that you know he's lived through one battle royale, so he's real sort of been numbed by the experiences he went through. So it's you know it's like um, Penguin's memories all over again. He's got that shell shocked PTSD. Yeah, yeah. He's really 
I mean, he's a key sort of person, and at the same time, it keeps a sort of sense of innocence to both Shuya and Noriko, the fact that they got this burly defender who can basically handle all the all the uh, sort of dirty work when it, when it comes to, like, killing pe taking care of uh, business, so to speak. Because if we look at, like, you know, uh, Shuya's sort of path in this, he sort of stumbles from one moment of violence to the next, and it's normally people either inflicting violence on themselves or he's just witness to them them committing acts of violence like such as the um the lighthouse bloodbath mm. i mean the, the other thing that's interesting is up to now groups have been incredibly unsuccessful any anybody who seems to have teamed up other than shoya and Nariko have been utter failures um mm. any, any anybody's worked up together in a group they've either killed themselves together or they've um, made themselves a target, or they've attracted the wrong person to join their group. Um, this, this is this is the first example, and we're about to get another one of students actually working together, which I think is is hinted at by Katano, for example, as that that, that could be a good good um, a good way forward. But you know, you've got to you've got to pick the right team. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so from here we get uh, introduced to a new group of uh, students because it seems we've been following the, the same sort of students uh, now so we get our first new group and that is the um, hacker group led by the basketball player Shinya Muramura um, who goes by the moniker the third man um which he derives really from the fact that the kanji and the, the last kanji in his name stands for free so hence he is the third man but um, mm, I see. but uh yeah he's um basically got all these sort of like revolutionary ideas and skills from his uncle um as well as the fact that he's also a skilled hacker which it seems like a really weird skill set to have if you're like a jock and a skilled hacker you're normally one or the other but he's not just a hacker mate according to the wiki he's a lethal hacker <laughs> now i don't know what a lethal hacker is is it someone who who, who routes mains electricity through the keyboard <laughs> i'm thinking the fact that he's he hacks into the battle royal system and in the film we see he actually sort of disrupts it mm. um and the fact that he's got plans to like you know disabling the collars and all these other sort of things and he's like one of the few people whose plans actually work to an extent well in, i mean he's he's the first person we've met that has no pre-knowledge of it but is able to make some really sensible decisions you know he he works out stuff by looking at it you know he looks at the collars and he works out oh look there's a little microphone on them and you know quite clearly I don't is. know how he worked that out because he because looks there's at... a microphone thing on when you when you when he so what he does he sort of examines the collar doesn't he through, yeah look is he looking in a mirror i can't remember how he sees it yeah and, he's and looking he see sees his reflection a... and he sees and you... the panel which is obviously where um but, but where, you can where, see um, it on the blue you can see you can see it's a it's a little microphone, you know, like with a little grill on it and stuff. So it it, it be sensible. He says, "Ah, oh, yeah, you know." I, I mean, I think I've had a little rant before how that's not how GPS works, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but you know, he's he's sensible and he's got his mates who 
will do what they're told. And he's bright enough to realize, this is a microphone, let's not talk. Now, I have some questions about his mates, like why are they walking around bare-chested? Because they've been lugging that big generator up ah, <laughs> the right. stairs, that's okay. why. I thought there was some homoerotic thing going on, but no, no, it, no, it, no, it makes sense. They're hot because they've... Yeah. But they found they, somewhere um... sensible to hole up. They, <clears throat> they, they, they had obviously taken their computers, or he'd taken his computer to, to the school trip with him, which he probably yep. would. And, um, yeah, and he's got a very specific set of skills. And um, he actually is going to make use of it, as opposed to whinging and moaning or killing yourself. He's, he's the first character we've met, other than the two older kids, that is setting up a plan which doesn't involve killing everybody. Yeah, Mitsuko is, is fully embedded in the game. And she's just going to get revenge on on the people who she sees as bullying her. Um, we're not sure about some of the others' motivations yet, but now we finally get a character that said, "Right, shut up, do what you're told, go and find some fertilizer and some kerosene and all these other <laughs> weapons that are hanging around <laughs> the uh, the island again," which only makes sense with that with that backstory of um, of what the island was before. Yeah, um, in regards to obviously uh, Shinji, uh, Shinji's sort of backstory in the manga, um, he's basically seen as a kind of a player, and it's sort of derived that he got the sort of attitude towards intimacy because his father was like constantly cheating on his mother, and she was never did anything about this so he's got this real sort of questionable attitude towards uh, women and the fact that when he's dating he's not looking for love he's just looking for girls to sleep with uh but at the same time he's got plenty of potential girls who want to sleep with him because a lot of girls sort of fan gold over him because he's like this star basketball player um as we mentioned already i mean he's got computer and hacking skills which he gained from his uncle who actually died before the program started in the manga and he sort of got this concern that uh his that uh, Shinji's going to grow up like his father and never like settle with a woman. So, backstory of some of these characters is just like wow. <laughs> I, I mean, this is obviously when you got when you got a manga or you got a novel, you got the space to mm. to really sort of pad out these characters. I mean, if you got a two-hour movie, no, no, you haven't got the time because. No. And this is what we said before when it comes to these films. I mean, you got fifty characters just in like the student class uh, alone and the fact that we get a taste of most of the food these characters are and that's what we need we don't need to know what he was like before the program because it doesn't affect anything all we need to know is his skills that he has in the program and just a general idea of his sort of personality who his friends are and that so and he's not only a, a, a nerd jock yeah so, so, so he's got he's got he's, he's also got a fucking pistol as his weapon. He has got it all. <laughs> in in any other universe, this guy would win. Um, at the same time, he's all in, we see in this uh, chapter that he's putting the plan to build the bomb, um, which um, he uh, later names Fumio's Revenge after uh, one of one of the students. Oh, oh, and there's something else yep. as well. He's also. A gossip merchant, <laughs> because they um, we sort of meet them. We meet the the three guys, yeah, with another character, sort of in the middle of conversation, and he you know he's off to 
find your hero, you know, which we'll talk about. Yeah, um, yeah, we're talking Um, about the um, because it's uh, Hiroki Sigamura who's basically trying to find. He's he's got two people he's trying to find at the moment. I mean, he's trying to find Mm. um, his friend Chigasaw, and he's also trying to find his the girl he was like really into, which is uh, Kayoko uh, Kotohiki, um, Mm -hmm. which. We'll come back. We'll touch on much later now, because but that forms one of the more tragic moments of the film, to be sure. The, he's just a, a character who's mm. just everywhere he goes, tragedy just follows him, as we will obviously look at in the next episode. <laughs> but um, but yes, I I was just interested because when when he left, Shinji goes, "That's interesting. I wonder why he was looking for both of them. I thought he was into this one. I, you know, it was like." It's almost as if he's got a, a knowledge of yeah. everybody as well, and I, I I called him a gossip, but possibly he's more of a study of. I think of because people. he's obviously and, higher yeah, in the he, sort of social pecking order. I mean, as I say, he's a, star, a basketball player. He's he's a popular guy, so mm. he's going to have like an idea of who everybody is in the the class, what everybody's sort of into, compared to like students further down the pecking order, just be more sort of concerned with their own sort of um, bits and pieces so that's why I saw I never saw it as a gossip I just thought it was yeah, a passing I just, comment I think, I myself, think I... you no I just thought I just thought it was I mean obviously a lot of them talk about this all the freaking time including Noriko if you remember you know on her deathbed she says oh <laughs> do you fancy that girl but the, the, it, the, the, the politics and the relationships are very important but you know how many times have we seen in a film the nerd not only would he not be on the basketball team a lot of them are. They they were on the basketball team. It's the one thing that they turn up to school to watch. Indeed, but you know he does seem he. It's as you say, he's high up in the pecking order. Normally, these guys are rejects. Even in Japanese cinema, you know the the nerd is is a, is like a societal reject and wouldn't be involved in all the who likes who and who's mates with who and who fancies who. And I I hadn't realised how much I like this character okay. until this episode. And sort of had a had had a, had some thoughts about him in the book in the novel when I read it. I think it's quite you know the, these guys are quite significant um, in the in, in terms of I call it page time <laughs> rather than screen time. But I was I felt maybe they got a little little shorter shrift in the film, and they're very important in terms of moving the uh, the narrative forward. But um, I, yeah, I, I'm. I'm quite a fan of Shinji Mimura. Yeah, I mean, oh, in the book as well, his uncle is sort of, like, made to disappear by the government. So he's never quite sure what it is, and I think that also funds his, feels sort of like his revolutionary spirit, because he's sort of, his uncle was this revolutionary, and you see in the film as well that he's got his little book of, uh, little box of trinkets, and his, like, I think he's got the anarchist cookbook there, I want to say. I may have been completely mistaken and putting things onto it, but he's got all these different bits and pieces that his uncle was uh, giving him, and he's now, like, sort of determined to, and he's even got, like, a, a blasting cap which is a really random thing to have, mm. but I'm sure that that also comes in handy. Yeah, I mean, I I don't remember if he has the Anna's cookbook at all, but either. But it would make sense, wouldn't it? That would I make. I think it that turns would, up know, later because when he in this early days of the internet, as we're talking about the 2000s or, or the early days of the sort of publicly available internet, that was one of the uh, the key texts to download, right? 
Um, so <laughs> it was um, that, and the Big Book of Mischief was the other popular mm. one that you uh, you wasted all your computer, <laughs> you can your printer ink trying to print off and learn how to make potato launches and stuff. Yeah, our, yo- our younger if audience. You, if you're going, out in the country like myself, our younger audience are going, "What are you talking about, boys?" But no, yes, there was, there okay. is, there still is. The document tells you how to how to make bombs and things like that. There's, there's. The thing with the the thing which amused me about the Anakin's cookbook, and there's a great documentary about the Anakin's cookbook. The guy who made it was like a a piece of protest art. He originally called it. He never actually intended for it to be this tool of terrorism at all. Mm. And he said that basically all the information he just went and got from the library. Oh, indeed. It- you could just like go and get like military tactic books yeah. and chemistry books and, 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 this, and stuff. He just basically copied it on from there. And, and what Shinji puts together, you know, the list he puts together, a basic understanding of chemistry will tell you exactly what he's up to. <laughs> it's like, ah, uh, I couldn't understand. Do you know when he's typing on the computer mm. though? Because it changes, it starts off in English and it changes to um, uh, like kanji. I. I it changes to kanji and it changes again. Yeah, so when you, um, on a Japanese keyboard, when you type, you kind of, it, it kind of changes according to the context that you're doing. So yeah. it's not just like a one for one. You might have to do multiple presses or two keystrokes in turn may generate another character. So, And it is a mix of English and one of the, it's only one of the characters. I said kanji. I'm not sure if that's right. I'm sure somebody listening to the show is going to say, that's how it works. But yes, having lots of Japanese computers from the 80s myself, <laughs> that's how it kind of works. So it, it doesn't sort of work left to right like we do. It's sort of... The, the closest thing I can think of is... Do you remember the old ZX Spectrum where you used to press a button and the whole the whole word would come out? The first yeah. time you press it, and then you press another character, and it would do something else. And so it was it's just a different paradigm. And, and it's, now that feels like really like, oh, God. <laughs> that's, that's a really awkward way of working. Because if it's the only way you know how to do it, it's it's second nature. So you're right, as they're typing, the words sort of, the characters suddenly sort of work at, oh, you're typing this this string of um, Japanese characters, you know, after the English. But English characters are there because, for example, numbers and the like are english and lot and some words remain english as well and some characters so yeah it's it's kind of interesting watching him type away but he's got his uh yeah he's got his hacking code he's got his blasting cap knows how to make a bomb this 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 boy they shouldn't have invited him to the island really no he's really the one who can really sort of take the system down you look at other characters who got sort of like their plans of revenge and whatnot but he's the one who could really potentially take everything down i mean as you said he's got the macintosh there and um the fact that they even got a a plan so that uh they can they're going to make this make this bomb that they're going to uh, suspend above the the school um, so that when the systems go down, they can uh, detonate this bomb and swim back to shore. Mm. And you know, so they're planning to swim off the island, which never is really mentioned in any of the other texts. It's not mentioned in the film. Anyone talking about swimming? It's not mentioned in the manga. Anyone invite anyone swimming? So it's kind of interesting as well the fact that the uh, book goes into quite detail about their actual plan and also about the forming of this group. Mm. So, I mean, it's also like one of the few occasions, because the film really doesn't make do anything with the microphones in the collars, whereas the the two two source materials, the manga and the book, actually um, 
do use them, which is also surprising. So, for all the fuss the film makes about these collars, it never really does anything with them. Outside of obviously our our guy having his head, well, pseudo blown off at the, at the very beginning. No, very little. There's very little played with the geos. You know the the where they are. It's very little played with the microphone. Never heard anyone sit there listening to the microphones. I mean, can you imagine? How boring that would be. <laughs> oh God, Noriko's going on about home. <laughs> sure you fancy someone again. <laughs> um so yeah, it is it it is it, so it makes for a very shocking image early on in yeah. the film. But very little you're you're right, very little is done with them, very little play is made of them. Um I don't believe anybody gets their head blown up because they couldn't get into the right zone. Not as far as I'm aware. Um, I know that it's, it's used to it's used to constantly shuffle people yes, around. Yes, the, the threat of it. But, but, um, but outside of that that demonstration in in the um, in our first meeting of well, our second technically our second meeting of Katane, um, I yeah. don't think it ever becomes a thing. They clearly can't be listening to everybody's conversations. Um, so yeah, it's more of, it's more of a threat, isn't it? That never really plays out. Which is another interesting thing about this film because you'd have, yeah, you'd have thought in any other film that that would have been a a money shot that I've wanted to repeat a few times, right? Or that you could have used in some sort of showdown that somebody got stuck on the wrong side and their head blew off before they could kill you. Everybody else seems to die either <laughs> by their own hands or by a student's hands, not by the yeah. Not by the program. Yeah, and I mean, even when it could, I mean, again with the microphones, I mean, you assume that even like if we look at Katano, I mean, he's not listening to the uh, listening to to the collars at all. I mean, he's too busy eating on his couch uh, for the most part. And the only time we see him, obviously, um, when we had the sort had um, the student who got her throat slashed originally uh when she was uh, playing on her phone trying to phone off the island then i mean he got involved but it seems that unless it's sort of flagged up for him he doesn't really do anything about anything so no he's preoccupied with his snacking habits and it's funny you say about the island them swimming off the island because i, I was thinking most of the time everyone seems to be above cliffs but you're right that the kiyama killed all those people on the beach didn't he so yes, um, so yes, yeah. I mean, it's never a good idea to try swimming from one island to another. Um, no idea of the distances. As someone who can barely swim, this would not this would not be a plan yeah. for me. <laughs> the general consensus is that if you're planning to swim from one place, if something looks close, more than often it's mm. not. Um, and the fact that you don't that you can't account for like reptides and currents and all these other things that you're going to potentially encounter. So if you can find a boat, then that's the best way to really go about getting off the uh, the island. But no, apparently they were going to swim. And, it, and so. if you remember all those all those scenes which kind of um, mark the days by and the parts of the the quarters or the thirds of the day by are always with waves crashing on the cliffs aren't they i mean this is not this is not sort of i don't know swimming pool is it this is <laughs> this is this is yeah. out in the wilds of the sea and, and it's not yeah but i suppose yeah. if these some of the things these guys make i'm sure they could make a boat if they had to make a raft or something 
Yeah, they could make a raft, definitely. So you can build a bomb. I'm sure you can build a raft. Yeah, it's almost as if you could, if you could, if you could stop the the necklaces. I'd, I'd concentrate on the raft. <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> yeah, as they say, you can you can avoid a wrench. You can dodge a ball. Yeah. You can you can hack a military installation. You can build a raft. I mean, so many, I'm so sure many of my school friends. You know, all those things they did. Yeah, all those hacker nerds. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, anything else that you want to? I don't, talk I don't about think this one? so. Although, sort of just again, we're 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 getting to halfway through the film now, and we're still meeting people. And I think I said a couple of episodes ago we'd pretty much met everybody, <laughs> but but yeah. we haven't. And these guys are really important to the to at least moving the narrative forward to creating some crisis points so um they're important people to keep holding. yeah i think i think definitely of the of the of the main people um in in this plot these are the last final sort of piece of the puzzle i mean everyone else that we sort of encounter is really just on their own minor agendas they're sort of like um just like little stop offs on, on the yeah, way. Yeah, they're little set pieces on the quest, aren't they? You know, and not many of them yes. survive. Whereas these these three are are basically going to form a, a part of a wider a wider gang. Um, so yeah, important. And also, and also now, I guess we also now have Nuriko and Shoya are, are fully teamed up now. So they're now a gang of three. Which could have, which, yeah, which, course, which could so. have happened two episodes, two, two chapters ago, but you know. <laughs> well, I think he didn't want to accept that. You know, she reminded him so much of his his girlfriend. He was determined he's going to be the loner. He's got he's on this quest for revenge against um, Takashi, mm. who he obviously um, sees as sort of like to blame for obviously the death of his girlfriend because of being the head of the program even though he was just a secondary school teacher at the time but let's not let's not concentrate on that (laughs) Um, but yeah I mean you need you need someone to target your your rage towards and Katano in many ways represents what the program is I mean he's a true believer Um, he's certainly heading up this this current um the current events that are happening on he's the certainly, island. He's so. certainly not just following orders, like the like the uh, army could say. No, he's he's definitely a no. a provocateur in this um, organization and believes and, in it hundred percent. And it's kind of like it's kind of about a whole Batman thing, isn't it? Just to put it another way, I mean, the fact that who Batman sees as he's constantly finding someone to input his wrath onto. You know, this he feels very like the loss of his parents, so it's always like being switched on to the next person. Mm. So it's never uh, any sort of end. So even if he kills like Katana, it's like, well, who's next? Really? So. Well, that's. But, um, we're, we're full of the pop culture references today, aren't we? Batman and Batman yeah. and Emery. was <laughs> <laughs> random ones we can go with, but. Um, yeah, so, I mean. I can't think of anything else to. I don't. I don't think. I mean, again, it's, it's a. It's another baby step, but they are two important baby steps. I think. So that brings us to the end of tonight's episode. Thank you as always for listening. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us, and no one to leave us a review as it all helps raise the profile of the show.
You can find us on Facebook and we are on Instagram as well under Asian Cinema Film Club. And if you haven't done already, please do check out our main show, the Asian Cinema Film Club, where each episode, myself and Stephen, bake turns to pick a film for the other to discuss. While also uh, having discussions about what we've been watching and other interesting pieces. Um, In particular, our Facebook group is a great hangout. We constantly post uh, interesting news articles and pieces, including our uh, page-to-screen comparisons for Battle Royale. And uh, if you want to check out our archive, you can do, which is asiancinemafilmclub.wordpress.com. But thank you again, as always, for listening. And we will return next time as we look at Chapter 12. Stay with me. But until then, good night.